Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock in the evening in the UK. It's just after 3 o'clock in the afternoon where I am, which is in the beautiful Berkshire Hills um, or Berkshire as they say around here because I'm at Lime Rock Park for the IMSA event this weekend, the North East Grand Prix. Just under 1.5 miles of track snaking around our IMSA broadcast booth and that's where I'm talking to you from this afternoon with weather on the way. It's been a beautiful day so far but it looks like thunderstorms sweeping in meantime up in london i'll say good evening as it is evening to tim gray hello tim hello john good evening and uh, good to, to hear prove, your voice again yeah just to prove we're live uh it's currently uh two three uh with uh, two three 70, 73 minutes played is that a football match That's or a, a football s- match, netball yes. game football right yeah. okay fine yeah, uh, okay. Uh, Cigarettes versus Ferenc Vos in the Champions League. Right, okay. Uh, Champions League already? Oh, my goodness. Well, we're uh, well into the Champions League. It started three weeks ago. On a packed programme tonight, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Uh, we'll be joined by Nick and by Shay. We'll be doing some news. Uh, we'll be doing some news related to a particular company. Uh, business news, yes. Business news. Uh, we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's races in uh, Spain, Catalonia, and at Lime Rock Park. Okay. Uh, we will be talking looking about some Looking back bikes. at some races, maybe? We yes. will okay. look back at some things that happened last weekend, yeah. Let's do a little bit of we parish notices. and... Oh, exactly. uh, weekend, VLN. And you actually... Yeah, we'll know about uh, Johnny that. Johnny and I called you us. commentated on it, so I, I did. Quite enjoyed it actually. Uh, a short, a short race uh, that one. Uh, Kevin Payne, evening is clear. He says for the two hours of midweek motorsport, plenty of topics for you guys to talk to this week. You're not wrong there, Kevin. Uh, hello to Chris Ring and to Chris Smith and to Ian McCarthy. Uh, right to and lover says simply standing by. Well, you can sit down now if you want. Oliver Gillet. Oliver Giles says, very much looking forward to tonight's midweek motorsport, uh, following a busy and entertaining weekend of motorsport. Um, hello to Jeff Easterling, says, uh, looking forward to the weekend as well. No AFAs, no apologies fashion from Brody tonight. One adult beverage, one internet connected audio device and one outside, ready to go. Alexander Orkin, minor delay, says, to the start of the show for me, due to, and I quote, to Dagd's rugby taxi duties. Be there in a few moments. Uh, Chris Suku says, Evening all, no AFAs tonight. Uh, they're trying to do some work while listening, something that I'm not very good at. Right, okay. Um, 
Chris Ring just adding, imagine a quiet show tonight. It's not much happened at the weekend. Yeah, right. Unlike washing up, don't get caught driving around, twinking them slowly for two hours while listening to Midweek Motorsport. People might get the wrong idea. Says Chris. Jack Gabriel, hoping to listening live. He says, I'm off to Brands this weekend to see my friends James Mack race in the Mini Challenge. Uh, Carol tuned in on what is, looks to be a beautiful sunny afternoon uh, overlooking Monterey Bay. Listening to the first time live, driving home from Scranton, PA to New York for work. Sorry, to York, PA for work. Uh, even seeing the Team RLL Racing Transporters heading for Lime Rock and a couple of NASCAR teams heading for New Hampshire on Route 81. James Betha, I think that is. Hello, James. Uh, good to hear that you tuned in. Let us know how far along your route uh, 81 drive you've got. Uh, Kevin Glass listening live tonight. Uh, Kevin Payne, the real sim Glakey, and Phil, not AFA, just got in. Is two points really enough though? Mm. Uh, and Money Elysium is cl- tuned in from the cube. Let's get to our top story. Shuffle your papers, Tim, and play that jingle. Oh, hang on. Oh, brilliantly stopped. Brilliantly stopped. It's at Specutainment if you want to get in touch and play on. Have I ruined it now? I think you, I have. You haven't ruined it. What has happened was, uh, um, as that happened, uh, and I stopped that bit of music and nearly yes. started the news jingle music, uh, right. Windows needs to restart. All right, okay. Well, I can do a couple more bits and Don't pieces. Worry. No, uh, Windows is not restarting. I've uh, stopped it from doing that. Uh, so I'm going to play the well, jingle. Well, Andy Blockmore's tuned in from a rainy Vancouver, so you can now play the jingle because everyone's ready. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we start with Formula One news, of course, which means we need to introduce our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Tim, and hooray! I'm shouting a bit loud. I'm in a Paris hotel. Um, <clears throat> hooray, everyone. What's hooray in French? Hooray, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, actually. Good question, actually. <laughs> we had the British Grand Prix at the weekend. We uh, did. And uh, as we heard on last week's show, it wasn't uh, the last British Grand Prix at Silverstone because there are going to be five more. Uh, and five uh, is a significant number in another way, isn't it, Nick? I'd like to point out, I did tell you there was going to be more British Grand Prix months ago. Yes, we all knew that. Yes, I, I, the, the, I know. You, I know. I was out of date with everything I said last week because I was too early. But even so, it was obvious. Uh, I, you're going to have to help me out why five is a significant number for all of them because I, I, I don't know what you're what you're getting at because you've been too cryptic. Oh, too cryptic. Uh, well, in that case, extension. It was a five-year extension. Should we move on to the number six then? Why is number six important? You must get this one. Because Lewis won his sixth British Grand Prix. Yes, uh, five is how many he's won in a row. No, he hasn't. Didn't win last year. Did he not? No. Fessel won last year. He was second after getting hit by Reckon on the first corner. Yeah. I misread Great that Great stat. <laughs> Lovely stat. Uh, but a win that's overshadowed by uh, racism. Really? Yes. I didn't see it being overshadowed by racism. Uh, lots but of questioning. Is this, is this a... 
Oh, yeah, this is the thing about if he thinks he's British because he lives in Monaco. It was a Guardian journalist as well of all people who came up with that one. So obviously he was more coming at it from, from an, an elitist tax-paying side of it than a uh, um, a ethnicity situation. It's ridiculous. A ridiculous storm in a teacup. And another example, unfortunately, of the unpleasantness of the British press and the, our ability to knock down not, fantastic sports people. Not just the British press, unfortunately. There is an element of racism within uh, motorsport that we've talked about on this programme before when it comes to Lewis Hamilton that is quiet, that is not necessarily always overt, but there's undoubtedly an element of racism there. There's a lot of people that don't like him because of his colour and his background. There's no doubt in my mind about that at all, and I think that Formula One and motorsport need to get a grip of it. It's, it isn't acceptable. And there's a lot of people, look at motorsport in Europe in particular, it's different from the US, but in in Eurosport, uh, in motorsport in Europe in particular, um, motorsport and motoring started in the higher echelons of society because they were the only people who could afford cars. And those people who run motorsport like to think that they are part of that upper echelon. That's why they wear blazers and cravats and have badges on them and things like that <laughs> and uh, and there are classes of people who aren't simply aren't acceptable to the motorsport elite in the UK and in in Europe and Lewis doesn't fit into one of those pigeonholes easily and his colour is part of that and to deny that, I think, is would would be short-sighted. Now, listen, I'm I'm not a massive fan of of Lewis. I think there's been things that he's done that hasn't been very sensible. But on this particular uh, part of of the situation, I do think he gets a raw deal sometimes, and we've seen uh, we've seen it in the past. And I thought we saw it again at the weekend. And and there are still people who tut tut about the fact that he's got his hair in cornrows, that he's got tattoos, he's got body art, he wears ink, that he associates with 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 urban music, um, uh, um, ex, uh, people who exploit uh, uh, urban music. I, I, and I, and I, I think it has to be brought out. I really do. And it has to be called out because that's not what we're about. If you're watching the cricket at the weekend, um, uh, which I did. For the benefit of those people saw... outside of uh, the UK, uh, our Commonwealth and uh, pretty much anywhere else, uh, cricket is a uh, sport which is uh, quite popular in some parts of the world. And what we saw was, and, and actually also, if you look at the crowd at Silverstone, the 141,000 people who turned up on Sunday, and that's what 141,000 people does look like, by the way, 60-odd thousand <laughs> people in the grandstands and the rest on the bank side. That was a busy Silverstone. If you look at the crowd there, if you look at the crowd at Lords on Sunday for the uh, ICC um, World Cup, what you see is ethnic diversity, and that's what Great Britain is all about. And Unfortunately, we haven't got that within certain elements of the press when it comes to motorsport and particularly the Formula One. What do, you... do you know what, John? I really, really wish I could disagree with you, but unfortunately, I completely 100% agree and I think it's appalling. Um, and just going back to the original and, and thing I, about I, this. I, 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 picked, I picked my words there 
Nick very, very carefully mm. I know. because I know. I'm going to upset some people by saying that who'll think I'm overreacting and being PC. I don't believe that at all. But anybody who's listened to this program for a long time knows that I am not a Hamilton apologist. I'm not an anybody's apologist, actually. I'm not a Hamilton apologist, but it is the one thing that really, really annoys me. Mm. Yep. And let's be honest, all the other British world champions. Which is not world champions like uh, David Coulthard live in Monaco. So, you know, and they don't get the questions. Uh, what did uh, Lewis Hamilton say to uh, the question about why he wasn't as popular among the British public as Nigel Mansell? I, I, don't, I don't know if another racist whilst I have watched the Grand Prix I didn't get the whole Volder role so I'm interested to know and I'm not even sure if that's true to be honest we keep going uh, he said it was because he couldn't uh, grow a moustache like Nigel very good answer facial hair always a response to all these things yes uh, who else in the press conference said he couldn't grow a moustache Orlando Norris <laughs> correct and, and that's just because he's nine <laughs> Uh, John's I'm not reaction sure is that very that similar is true to Lando's. About, about sorry, John, you're not sure laughed. what was true? I, I agree with... Uh, sorry, there, there is quite a bit of a delay because we're spread to the four winds today. Um, the, I'm, I'm not sure that that is true about whether Lewis is more or less popular than, uh, than Nigel Mansell. I think that it's a different, um, it's a different era. And I think anybody that thinks that Lewis isn't po- uh, popular uh, among British motorsport fans, real fans, and among the people who, for example, the Marshals and, and people like that. Uh, and, and when you look further afield outside the motorsport bubble, hasn't he done more to bring the sport, I'm talking about Lewis Hamilton here, to a different audience than probably... Any other, um, any other F1 driver of any nationality, and look and look at the banners around Silverstone. Look at the banners around Silverstone. You want to tell me that he, that Lewis Hamilton, isn't as popular as Nigel Mansell was, and he's pomp. Not at all. He talks to the fans. The fans talk to him. You could hear the fans go wild when he passed Bottas. Now, all right, you, you could possibly say that was because the cars are so quiet nowadays. But really? You think that Lewis is not as, po- as popular as Nigel... Sorry, I, when I say you, I mean some people think that Lewis Hamilton isn't as possible, popular as Nigel Mansell? What, possibly among some daily newspapers in the UK who, who want to find fault in everything that he does because that's that's what they do. And it doesn't matter who the popular figures are they build them up because they want to knock them down again I, I, I think that's a honestly I think that's a fatuous thing to say that, that he's not as popular as Mansell I think he's at least as popular as Nigel Mansell given that the sport perhaps doesn't have the profile that it had when Nigel Mansell was driving and there's a whole different conversation to be had there which we saw with the cricket again at the weekend um, with the amount of people who will watch it if it's on free to air television then I mean, you'll know the figures probably better than better than us, but uh, Tim. But were there more people watched the cricket at the weekend than watched the Grand Prix? Yeah, probably. But more people uh, by a significant margin. More people watch the tennis than the Formula One and the cricket put together. Well, yes, yeah, 
Absolutely. Doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. I, I, I think I can't believe somebody has honestly said that he's not that he's he's not as popular as Nigel Mansell. Um, Nigel Mansell had a, a big following in the UK. There was an awful lot of people in the sport that didn't like him and still don't like him. Nigel was a difficult guy to get on with, and Lewis has had his moments as well. But I've got to tell you, you only had to look at the coverage over the weekend to see the adoration from the fans and hear the cheers. They recognise him as a racer. One thing about the British motorsport public is they like people who put their heart and their soul in it when they'll cheer around Lando Norris and George Russell who haven't really got a George Russell got a massive cheer on Saturday in the qualifying and he's, he's driving for team awful Williams and you know and got his best result of the season they're a knowledgeable lot and th- th- they may well be there may well be a part of the, the, the of the motorsport public that don't like Lewis because there'll be a part of the mo- motorsport public that don't like Kevin Magnussen or Charles Leclerc or Sebastian Vettel or whoever. But British motorsport public who were at Silverstone on Sunday recognised a good race, and it was a good race. And this is me saying it was a good race. There was some fine racing and it was a good race. We didn't see much of Lewis out front because he was doing his job. He was driving away from the field. What was going on behind was interesting. For once, Mercedes didn't mess up Lewis's strategy. Um, they didn't do Bottas any favours, but that's a whole different story. But I've got, I've got to tell you, I, from what I saw at the weekend, I was, I was moved by what I saw at the weekend. And it's not, it's been a long time, Nick, since I've said that about Formula One. But I was moved <laughs> at what I saw at Silverstone at the weekend. Who? No, I think. I, sorry. Okay. Can I just say? I think. Yes, I think. Yeah. What, what John says is obviously long and I like. Uh, what I think is 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 true. Is I think it, it, you can't compare eras. You can't compare fan bases. What we need to understand as decided British people is we are incredibly lucky and worldwide lucky to be actually watching one of the greats in action. There is no doubt that when he retires, Lewis Hamilton will be in that greats. We'll have that. not the goat because he can't have a goat because you can't compare. Um, eras, but he is by far the greatest driver of his generation, um, and he will be for two or three years to the, to the young and He's a fantastic driver, and as other drivers of his era have wilted either through political shenanigans or complete loss of form, he's carried on getting better and better and better. And you know, I think we we need to appreciate. Sometimes you need to appreciate people while they're actually still active rather than just be eulogising them after they've retired. Agreed. What do we think of the new track surface at Silverstone? Um, it seemed okay, but I'll wait for the GT- GP to tell me how it is. Uh, well, it's going to be gonna changed be re- before it's gonna be uh, before GP. Is it? Yes. Is it still Ripley? Uh, there were some bumps at Brooklyn, and that area is going to be replaced. Mm, but just that okay. bit. Oh, well, they've done quite well then. Who has... It was very dark, wasn't it? If you say so. It was very dark. No, it was very, very dark. Tarmac. And I tell you what, yes, it was very black tarmac, uh, which meant that the, the uh, temperatures went up very quickly as soon as the sun came out. And it was also... And I, I don't know whether there was a moratorium on, on people talking about it or not, but it was clearly very, very slick and there was still some oil coming up out of it, some of the essential oils coming up out of it early on in the weekend. The rain that we had overnight on Saturday and into Sunday morning probably helped a little bit. What we saw there was another full season to season in. It's like when you get your new 
frying pan. You need to get it seasoned in properly. And and that is what <laughs> that, that track is going to get quicker and quicker. So uh, mm. just keep brushing it with oil, basically. Yes. Uh, who uh, has uh, recently bought a copy of the Formula 1 2019 computer game? I don't know. Lando Norris again. No, he already had a copy. Okay. Um, is it a driver? A, it is a, yes, it is a Formula 1 driver. One, uh, one who admits to be not good at computer games. Uh, Lewis, then. Not yeah. Lewis, no. Tell me. I literally, I, I'd be perming one for about 17 it, now. It is I, Leclerc. Yeah, well, he's. Like, I know, but they're all doing it now, aren't they? Have you noticed that? Yes. Crofty doing it. They're all doing it. That's, uh, all, that's us. You and me first. What was, what was the first thing he did uh, when he uh, played the game? Uh, transferred himself to Mercedes. Uh, no, he raced against himself. Did he win? No. <laughs> no, he did. <laughs> Either way. <he> won. <laughs> <laughs> no, which of them did he win? Was it the real him or the verbal him that won? The virtual him was better than the real him. The virtual him That's was better fantastic. than the real him. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's like the, the old story of um, Robert Palmer having finished recording an album in New York City and the rap party that went out and they went to a karaoke bar and Robert Palmer came third in a Robert Palmer karaoke competition. Which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. True story. Uh, uh, there's a similar one about someone uh, coming second in a lookalike competition. Uh, I think it might be was Sean it, Connery. It's Bette Midler, I thought. Oh, baby Bette Midler. I think it's Bette Midler. I think so, it's, it's apocryphal after all this, isn't it? Yes. Uh, who's got a new, or who had a new motorhome at the weekend? Well, I'd like to Daniel say Haas, I thought Haas did because they had to store 90 million cans of drink somewhere. Uh, no, we'll come on to that later. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo borrowed to Martin Short's motorhome at the weekend. Yes, but I'm talking about a team in the paddock. Okay. It was Renault. No. Uh, and it's uh, black and yellow and oh. large. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, though... Uh, Large? Yes. Daniel Ricciardo was, I suppose, half right on the basis that he is a Renault driver. Uh, and one who yeah. was yeah. one who was up to mischief at the weekend. Yes, he, he was He was indeed. He, he um, tagged Carlos Sainz, didn't he? He did, live on race. Spanish television. Oh, you're yes. talking about during the race? No. Uh, in an interview on Saturday... No, no, I would say he tagged him in an interview. Right. That's what it, that's what it's called. I can't if I I could explain more what he did, but that's tagging. Right. Yes, yes. I know it, tagging has no other means. Basically, he hit him in the gentleman's area. Yes. In a sneaky <laughs> manner. Live on Spanish television. <laughs> that's fantastic, Nick. And the Spanish journalist did not react at all. Well, uh, well, he hadn't been hit. He, he was one got hit. Uh, female, female <laughs> he reporter been in the gentleman's area. <laughs> exactly. I'm oh, not right on that front. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, who started Fantastic. the race and the Porsche Super Cup race in the morning? Who started the race and Charlie the Porsche? Um, Charlie, Charlie Sonia. Yes, and who started the Formula Two race? His daughter. His daughter. Yes. 
very good. We, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this Christmas. Was a really nice touch. Yeah, it was. Sorry, Nick. I thought that no, was a really no, nice no, touch, by the way. Yeah, because that, that was an FIA decision that broke all protocols. That was a beautiful human touch. There'd been a very nice uh, memorial service, if you will, for Charlie on Thursday evening at the British Racing Drivers Club. Um, uh, and um, I thought I, I saw a bit of Vettel's um, speech and I, I thought that was a nice touch from the FIA mm-hmm. because yeah. I thought he uh, the whole thing was didn't have to happen but it did and yeah I mean there's a more human side, I think, to the FIA and to Liberty than there was in the old Bernie and uh, and uh, CBC partners. They're not perfect by any means, but they are a little bit more human. Uh, and uh, Vettel's speech, uh, excellent, given that it was written by him and not in his uh, own language. Vettel is a very intelligent, thoughtful guy, a very witty guy, and probably of the drivers of all the drivers who are currently racing, the bloke you most like to go out to dinner with. However, um, he would deny any that, dinner invitation. A yes, and B, that's not what he's there for. He's there to be a racing driver, which he is singularly failing to be at the moment. Yes, let's talk about Sebastian Vettel's race then. Well, should we talk about his qualifying first? Awful. Carry on. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about his race then. Awful. Awful. Um, no, I mean. <laughs> Basically, Fettel started in you know, off form, behind Leclerc by a long way, um, lucked into third place during the um, by going long in the first session, section and therefore picking up the safety car pit stop. Um, got overtaken by Fe- by Verstappen, who had more speed than the Ferraris, and then had a complete another complete brain fade. Intended to go back underneath him when there was no space, and did that thing he's done before, just locking up and then smacking into someone, um, and. Punching them both on the track, remarkably, both cars continued on. It was a big old hit. They both went in the gravel, um, of which he got a 10-second penalty and points in his license. But it was like it was, it was like a, it was it wasn't even a rookie mistake. It was a Formula Three mistake. Um, Ferrari have made some kind of one- changes to their car uh, because apparently they had a problem with understeer, and uh, the changes they've made have uh, completely removed the uh, understeer problem. Are they? Yes. Didn't seem to be- but it doesn't understeer when it's, it's ploughing the back or something. I don't I think so they now I have the a, problem... an issue with oversteer when coming out of corners, which uh, Vettel hates more than the understeer that uh, that uh, was there before. But uh, Charles Leclerc really likes. He likes a car so oversteer. We're now making excuses for him. I mean, I, 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 this is this is more and more looking like this is going to be his last year because it's he's just. And yeah, you know, Fettel's you know, four-time world champ, but he's just having a terrible season. Um, and he's now the pendulum has well and truly swung, and he's now not on Leclerc's level for the last three races. Where the luck may, have, you know, I said, and it's, I said it at the end of the season last year, Nick, and I and I stand by it. I said if Leclerc was anything like we expected him to be, I think that I thought then, and I'm absolutely certain uh, that Vettel's head has gone. And, you know, it's a bit like Alvaro Batista in Superbikes. That, Nothing's you know, like that. He, 
Well, um, at least he's getting to the end of the races. Um, the, this is getting the start of the race, in fact. Um, but but I I can't see Vettel wanting to put his quarter legacy on the line. Um, I think he's done at the end of the season, and I think he's done from all motorsport at the end of the season. I don't think he goes anywhere else. I think Hamilton be exactly the same, by the way. Um, and now the musical chairs start. And who goes where? Lewis goes to finish his career at Ferrari, maybe. No, he's got another year. Absolutely. Another year. And no, I mean the, the big. I mean, if it does happen, and it looks more likely because he must get fed up with this constant pressure. And, and I think he knows in himself that this this mark isn't going to happen next year. Does he see out of his out his out his contract for the money he doesn't need and the humiliation he doesn't need when he's a very private man so the next question is where do ferrari go next and that appears to be you know the let's promote someone within but then they've got no one really experienced to do it with and yeah they got so do they make a call to spain is the question isn't it or finland alto romeo to kimmy well, Kimmy, no. and I know Nick. I know you don't like him, Nick. And I said this at the weekend. I know you haven't got a lot of time for writing him, but he's only been out of the points, I think, once this year so far. And I think he's driving. The problem is, and you made this point um, last week in the bits we didn't use actually um, about driving without pressure. And driving without pressure is very different than being a team leader or driving with the expectation of a world championship. And, and you were talking about that with uh, Verstappen. And I thought that was a very well-observed comment. Um, Kimi this year, I think, is driving as well as he's driven for any for an amount of time and probably better than most. He's been more consistent through the year. He's getting a decent amount out of the car. He's getting points finishes. However, crank him back in. Mm, but then again, so I'm arguing against myself now. But then again, <laughs> he, he is a very, very good second driver. And then, But do you think Leclerc can leave the team after a year in Formula 1? You know, I think this is the thing. It really depends how serious are Ferrari about sorting the problem out. I mean, um, the logical thing to do if Vettel goes is to employ Fernando Alonso. Because he won't cost much money. Because Alonso won't be expensive at this point. He just wants to win something. Um, And all the people he fell out with at Ferrari aren't there anymore in the management. They've all gone. Um, Unfortunately, one of them has passed on and, and the others have retired or moved around. So, you know, they turn around and go, right, off you go. Knock yourself out for a, for a year with a with an option. And that would be obviously a, a, a better solution than what they currently have. And whether Alonso could beat Leclerc, who, seems, who certainly has um, shown both sides of the character in the last couple of weeks and, be, and is obviously absolute the real deal and the great thing was you know i love the bit i love most of all the race was when he was defending against verstappen in exactly the same way as verstappen defending everyone else and verstappen moaned about it, it was brilliant i mean the to a bite a bit it was fantastic who would be the number one in the, that the, team the, then nick well this is what they got it you have to stop this concept of number one but because Ferrari can only work with one car. They showed that again at Silverstone. They were so happy that uh, they'd brought Vettel in for a free pit stop when the safety car out. They completely forgot about Leclerc. But that yes. is a that is a functional issue that needs to be sorted out. And there's no reason why the Ferrari team can't operate as effectively as Mercedes and Red Bull. But they they the problem is when you start the season by going this is our number one. The, it's not necessarily an issue. The problem is everybody on the other side of the garage knows they're number two. 
And what does that do for your motivation? The last time the Ferrari, Ferrari had two equal guys. drivers, they were Gerhard Berger and John Alesi. The thing about Ferrari, though, guys, quite simply, is they're brake drivers. They do brake drivers. And whatever you think about Vettel, they've broken Vettel. Going to Ferrari has broken him. He he hasn't been able to get on. He hasn't been able to mould the team in his image. He's now got a car that is the worst thing that he ever wants because he does not like a loose back end. He likes a tight back end. He likes a car that pushes. He likes a car that he can lean on. He w- Let's not forget, Nick always points this out, he was the king of the blown diffuser. He was the driver who made that work more than anyone else. In the same way, we talked about Nigel Mansell earlier on. Nigel Mansell was the king of... Um, downforce and active ride he got that he got his head around it he believed in it he was the guy who was reacting to things before they even happened and and lotus couldn't even believe what he was doing vettel was the king of the blown diffusers the back end that is sorted that is down if that is how the ferrari's got to drive to make it work he's out of there he's out of there he's gonna have a horrid second half of the season Horrid second half of the season. So who's going to go there? Everybody wants to drive for Ferrari until they go to Ferrari and then they want out. How long has Leclerc got on his on his contract? Two more years after this year? If, Probably, yeah. if he's not world champion by then, he will need to leave to be world champion. Otherwise, they will break him as well. I'm not quite as... Um, I don't have quite as serious a, a view of the Ferrari. I think the Ferrari need to stop thinking in terms of one and two. Um, and they need to have the same as Mercedes do. A natural one and two evolves, but they've still got Bottas sticking the thing on pole and then and leading the race and 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 being allowed to lead the race. Um, you know. But by the way, before we talk, the, the very important point to point to, to make out is that um, the uh, safety car pit stop did not win Lewis the race. He'd already had the race won before then because he was in a one-stop strategy. Why was he in a one-stop strategy? Because the one weakness that Bottas has is his time management is nowhere near as good as Lewis's. And that is why Lewis will be untroubled in his run to the World Championship because the guy who can beat him on Saturday and has done a brilliant job on Saturday, Valtteri Bottas, is just not suited to these tyres. Valtteri Bottas in the Bridgestone era... Well, that would be a different thing, but we're not in the Bristol era, we're in the Pirelli era, and not being able to manage your tyres is akin to not being able to turn left properly. Who else uh, suffered uh, in the uh, safety car? Um, um, Lando Norris. Lando Norris, yes. Yeah, because he he, they, they didn't get him in. Uh, well, when he did come in, he was slowed down by the fact that uh, there were two cars leaving a pit side by side uh, ahead of him. Uh, and then uh, he was threatened with an unsafe release, although he wasn't actually penalised for it. No, they've they, they decided you can't have an unsafe release himself because the pit lane's so wide, apparently. They managed to get two cars uh, wide all the way along. Yeah, I know. That, 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 was, that was interesting. I, I thought that was a little bit dodgy, but hey, I'm not the only steward. Who had his best weekend of the season? Pierre Gasly. That was it an easy correct, question. correct, yes. Uh, by quite a long way. Fourth. Yes, because he actually looked like a functional member of the, the Red Bull team rather than some bloke hanging around waiting to come fifth to get the fastest lap. Um, so, you know, well, yeah, I, I think it's nice. And what I really do hope is it's a turnaround for, for Pierre and we see it's continuing in, in Germany next in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but we did see some cracks on the Red Bull. On their wing end plates, yes. Yeah, obviously stress fractures, which is an odd thing for, for carbon fiber. Had both the rear end plates were found with cracks after... Uh, qualifying and were replaced 
on the grid, which is a bit of a panic, but you know, no harm, no foul. But leave some glue and some tape, but no four-pound lump hammer. Uh, <laughs> let's go back to unsafe release, John. Um, yeah, how is it not an unsafe release when the guy who's released can't even get into the fast lane because there's a car already there? Because that's what happened with Verstappen. That was the absolute. I know. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Absolute definition of unsafe release and didn't even get investigated. I can only assume that in the uh, pre-race briefings, they were told it was going to be fine because the pit lane was wide enough for it. But I thought I personally thought that was very much not on, but it must have been pre pre agreed because there was no complaint and no investigation, as you say, John. And in any other any of the tracks where it's only a one running lane, that would be a slam dunk unsafe release. McLaren uh, mechanics had to get out of the way pretty sharpish, didn't I know. they? I know. This is the thing. I, I just don't point. understand why no one said anything. I, I could Again, Tim, I'm sitting there going, I don't I hate agreeing with both of you, but I completely agree with both of you about this. I, I just sat there watching and going, what? No? Hey, hang on. But, yeah. So, no danger in the pit lane. You know what? We're talking lane. about this. We are. Yeah. No danger in the pit lane, but danger, danger, high voltage. Who was who affected by that? Alex Albon. His car was electric. She's electric for you Oasis fans from the 90s. Uh, his car was electric and um, they couldn't change the tyres without turning the engine off to de-electrify, de- to, de- um, to earth it, that's it. Uh, so they decided not to have pit stop in space. His tyres walked up. True. Yeah. So his first pit stop was fine, but the second pit stop was aborted. Yes, because basically you sit there. He was, it was, it was like one of those um, Professor Pat pending inventions. It was just sparking away all the way. Uh, but we want to have refueling back next year. By the way, oh, refueling. That's, that's, whilst... oh, shut up, John. Honestly, what a twit. That's a real. In my day, it was good refueling. It was so stupid, you sh- silly little man. Okay. Well, when when the hall of the chassis of the car conducts electricity. Mmm, excellent. I'm sure that is short. <laughs> which nobody spoke about at the weekend, which I thought was very funny. So overall, it was a good Grand Prix. We've had two good Grand Prix right. in the row. Uh, so good, in fact, that um, on the first practice session, the uh, at the pit lane exit, the big Rolex sign said Grosse Prix von Österreich. Uh, which I thought was good. We, you know, we, that, yeah. we like the Aus- Austrian Grand Prix so much, we've decided to take it on tour and bring it to uh, the UK, which is undoubtedly why, of course, the Haas had the incident, because he was shocked that he was still at Silverstone and thought he was at the uh, Red Bull ring. Uh, no doubt well, about that. But yeah, that was so one was, way of knocking off the sponsor's was, name, wasn't it? He was going the wrong way down the pit lane and thought, I've got to, I've <laughs> yes, got to, exactly. I've got to do a three-point turn here. <laughs> Absolutely right. It was that that was a that was a race though, Tim. In all honesty, that the last two races have been very good for the sport. They have. I mean, we talk about Haas. After all the negative publicity Haas had at the end of last week, uh, what they really wanted was a solid Grand Prix with both drivers in the points. What do they get, Nick? An accident the first lap, and both drive cars retiring in about ten minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, That's racing good car. Good, good what does Gunter Steiner have to say about yeah, this? Yeah, it's a brilliant quote, but I can't remember it word for word, so you need to, you need to read it out. Uh, both of them are in trouble. 
It's not acceptable. I was pretty clear after Barcelona what not to do. We're in a difficult enough situation trying to get the car back on track and they've got the chance where it seems like our long runs are okay. Then they crash into each other at turn five and that's not acceptable. Yes, but the other thing he said, which was great, he said, uh, I think someone asked him what, what, what else they should do. And he, and he said, why not bring a shovel and dig us deeper into this hole? He did say that, yes. Did he say that? That's fantastic. Yeah. That is absolutely fantastic. I like Gunter Steiner. I, I, I right. think um, I think Gunter is always good for a, a quote, and he's fairly down to earth and fairly seven. I think he's, um, he's almost as good as the fake Gunter Steiner on Twitter. Yeah, the other one I like is uh, Ofmar as well, Schaffner. I think he's good as well. I think he's the same sort of thing. And I think it's quite nice to have people like that in Formula One where, you know, that, that sort of middle team manager, Nick, or team principal is, you know, fairly sort of shoulder shruggingly sensible about what's going on <laughs> and just goes, are you yeah. kidding me? Really? Yeah. What on earth are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <coughs> basically, we've had, we've had two Grand Prix good, good races. And we're going to Germany next. And Germany and Hockenheim also has a track that tends to produce good races. So it looks like we're going to get... Then we go to Hungary, and that'll, that'll, run, that, that'll spoil that run. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've had two excellent races. We had a really... You know, we've, we've seen the next generation coming on, and we've also carried on seeing a masterclass in this race and um, from Lewis. So, you know, it, it, it's... As you said, the beginning of the season, it was, you know, it's 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 going to be Lewis Hamilton's going to win it. Um, just how many races he wins, really, isn't it? Uh, what are we not Absolutely. going to get with the German Grand Prix? I've no idea. Yeah. Poor Super Cup. That'd be a really weird thing not to be on the German Grand Prix, that, wouldn't that it? That would be a very weird thing not to be on the uh, timetable. It is on the timetable. Okay. But Formula Two isn't. Isn't it? Why not? And nor is Formula Three. Which isn't Formula Why Three. Not? Really? No. I know that. That's Why weird. Not? Why is that then? It is weird. Uh, they've decided that the uh, support races for the uh, Grosser Preis von Deutschland uh, will be mm-hmm. the ADAC Formal Fear Championship. What is that? Formula Four. Right. Formula Four. And right. the Renault Clio Cup. Really? What Renault Clio Club? Uh, this is well, how does that? How does that? Sorry, Tim, I don't know if you know. I'll ask question. How does that work financially? When they when they host F two and F three, I mean, does that? Do they get any money for that, or is that just part of the program? Do they, do they actually get more money from, from by having two support races that point. aren't part of it? Because as we know, the German Grand Prix is struggling for every pound. Oh, sorry, every Deutsche Mark. Sorry, every euro. <laughs> but the track doesn't get any of the money anyway. That all goes to the promoter, which is Liberty. Really straight well, okay, fair enough. Presumably, uh, will attract more spectators by having Renault Clios and Formula Fours on the bill than the stars of the future. As you're saying, you know that's rubbish, but never mind. Um, well, it's, it's probably because they know that Germany's. Um, not coming back next year so perhaps they don't think it's worth getting all the setup information for the Formula 2 and Formula 3 cars when they're not going to be back next year uh, they'll be back in Hungary though uh, do, do we Hungary actually think that anywhere do we actually think that anywhere other than the UK where there's more people on a Friday and a Saturday than most places get on a Sunday 
and I mean, again, we saw it this weekend at, at Silverstone. And this is not me being jingoistic because I think Silverstone's done a really, really good job over the last few years in building uh, building their product. Um, it wasn't always the best place to go. It wasn't always the best place to work. And we've said that in the past. There's been a big turnaround in the last few years. Does it really matter what the support races are? Or in fact, even if there is a support race? Because other than a couple of tracks, Silverstone being one of them, I'm not sure, Nick, anybody really goes to see the support races. Um, it's hard to disagree. I mean, the, the Italian Grand Prix normally has a, a pretty uh, fe- feral crowd who enjoy it. Feral, fe- fe- febrile, <laughs> sorry, not feral. God, uh, English deserves me. Sorry, it's very late. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of break-ins <laughs> in the car parks at Monza. So, uh... There are some people also, yeah. There are some feral people in the car parks. But um, I think, I think, I think uh, if you, perhaps the countries with the... Uh, motorsport tradition, um, and I would include Germany in that one, uh, enjoy the support races more than some of the countries where it's uh, more of a newer thing and they're more starstruck by the main event. On um, Saturday, Jack Aitken was asked uh, uh, about this and he said nobody's coming to Silverstone to watch me in a Formula 2 race. And then after he won it on Sunday, he uh, changed his tune and... uh, uh, said that the response from the crowd during the race uh, had been amazing and something he'd never felt before. Well, that's it. Until you, until you realise that people are backing you up and you realise the fandom, you, you, you can dismiss it, can't you? And he has driven in front of nine people at the, the um, Spanish Grand Prix for a few weeks ago, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, let's go back to Haas because uh, the drivers crashing yep. into each other uh, isn't uh, the only Haas story of the week, is it? Is it the fact that they've now published a letter where Haas have said you owe us loads of cash? Because that was impressive. Uh, well, there's been a couple of letters published um, and lots of tweets which seem to uh, contradict each other. Um, what do we know? Richard Story's an idiot. That's what we know. Um, is it Richard Story? William, sorry. William, William Story. Story is an idiot. Rich and... is the name of his product. He seems to think that he can make things up as he goes along, regardless of the contracts he signs and the things he says. He's think, I probably think he's being very loose cannony and very sort of, you know, on the edge. He's just being an idiot. And if his company doesn't go bust, they'll be taken for all the money in the contracts. Because it's blooming obvious Haas wouldn't have a performance clause. You can't change your mind because you want to. Much as you can't steal someone's logo. Because guess what? The courts, there's law. The company's either going to disappear because he can't afford the money or he's going to have to pay the money and carry on sponsorship. It doesn't matter what you think you want to do or, or I'm going to be all crazy and different. The reason there are contract and the reason there are design logos is because it's the law to stop idiots like him mucking up people's lives, basically. Uh, one of the clauses in the uh, uh, court case uh, a couple of weeks ago now uh, was that he uh, or Rich Energy had to reveal uh, the value of the sponsorship agreement by uh, the 18th of July. Um but we don't have to wait till the 18th of July anymore because Haas have told us exactly how much it costs to sponsor their team. Uh, and that was £13 million this year, of which they've already received £7 million, £14 million next year and £15 million the year after. There we are. And they've also said you need to give us all £34 million quid now, which is left over. So I wait in joyful hope for the coming of the all-recycled aluminium white bike frame from the cans uh, that that still for me is when they get those cans 
and they recycle them as they will do because whatever happens those aluminium cans have got some value i really hope they make a limited edition set of bikes in uh and, and get them out there the other thing is i want somebody to put white bikes on a formula one car i know they've got a a, a deal with mercedes-benz um but i really really want to see the white bikes logo on a formula one car somebody has to make that happen if you pardon the pun couple of uh, interesting bits of social media around this story over the weekend go on right uh Rich Energy tweeted a picture of a milk float uh, with a Haas livery on it, uh, which also featured the um, Stag logo as well. Really? I'll yeah. tell you what, if he starts trying to sell Haas F1 toasters, I'm suing. What I don't like about this, Nick, is the way it's being played out on social media. This would not have happened Ooh, in Bernie's era. It may have been, the lid may have been put on it, but there are plenty of dodgy, non-playing, weird sponsors during Bernie's era. Um, and also, don't no, forget, no, no, course, I, I, no, 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 that, no, no, that, 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 that I, absolutely. But this would not have played out the way it's playing no, out he'd, now he'd, with he'd, this he'd ridiculous it. Twitter spot. It would have jumped, well, he, he's never marched for social media, but this would have been jumped on quite quickly. Um, but oh, well, do you, by the way, the irony of irony, of course, is that um, Haas were very happy to to steal inverted commas steal to win this deal against Williams, weren't they? Williams thought they had this deal last year, and they lost it. They must be they must be clapping their hands now, as much as must Racing Point, who, of course, they at one stage it looked like um, this sort of sponsor. Although you know, if if they've paid their bills, that's one thing. Uh, whether they've got the product or not, I suppose. But, you know, the Racing Point was nearly taken over by these guys, weren't they? So, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's... I just don't think it does the sport any good. Uh, as I understand it, Williams uh, refused the sponsorship from uh, uh, okay. Rich Energy uh, after some due diligence. Interesting. I, didn't, I hadn't heard that side of the story. Okay. Shall we go over some of the key dates uh, that we've had so far? So, uh, July the 11th, when was that? John? When was that what? That when, was, when was July um, the 11th? That was last week? It was. That was a date uh, at which Rich Energy had to pay White Bikes the £35,416 in court costs. Which they haven't done. They have not done that. Uh, so, what are White Bikes going to do instead? Uh, if they've got any sense, uh, they will issue a winding up order. That's exactly what they're going to do. Next key date mm. is uh, the 18th of July, uh, which is when? Uh, that's uh, two days away. Tom, tomorrow. No, that's tomorrow. Uh, that is the tomorrow, date yeah. by which the uh, Stag logo has to be removed from everything to do with uh, Rich Energy. So. Yeah. All the uh, Haas branding, all of the websites, uh, every can of drink that exists in the world, that Stag logo has got to be gone by tomorrow. Or Right. Does that include the 90 million cans that are already being made? Oh, uh, yes. It, it includes uh, the ones that are on sale on eBay. It includes the picture of the ones that are sale on eBay, which is on our website. Uh, <laughs> so do we have to take that down or colour in over the top of the logos? Well, uh, rich energy have to ask us to do that right okay. um 
So we we shall see if they do that. Uh, but historically, they, they've got a couple though, of hours left. Um, but, but if they don't do though, that, the they just have to deliver um, all of the offending items to uh, White Bikes by the first of August. Right, and just to prove we're live, by the way, it's now throwing it down of rain here oh. at uh, at Lime Rock. Beautiful Park. evening here. Uh, what uh, what's the other key part of uh, the eighteenth of July? Eighteenth uh, of July. In relation to this, what, what I, else is I, happening I, tomorrow at ten a.m. in the Central County Court of London? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, there's a court case between uh, William Story and Rich Energy and a company called Vin X or Van X. Right. Uh, now this is a uh, wine merchant. Right. Uh, which, uh, when Rich Energy was set up, uh, was contracted to provide some uh, business advice for the drinks industry. Right. Uh, they also uh, offered a small loan of £20,000 to Rich Energy, mm-hmm. uh, which they claim has not been repaid. And they also promised uh, 20% of the stock of Rich Energy. Uh, which they do not, uh, they claim, currently have. Right. Uh, so they're going to court tomorrow to uh, clear some of that up. I think now would be a great opportunity to bring in our Christmas gift ideas and business correspondent, uh, Eve Hewitt. Good evening, Eve. Good evening. Uh, you've been digging Greetings this from Hindhoff Towers. Yes, live from our Thrapston <laughs> studio. Oh dear, what a tangled web. What a tangled web. Um, the, um, the the last part that you were just talking about is particularly interesting because, of course, um, William Storey no longer holds the 6,400 shares. Um, he has transferred those to um, Matthew Bruce Kell. And so what do we know about Matthew Kell? Mm, well, not not... Not a huge amount before uh, the 12th of October 2018. Um, he is the director of eight companies, um, the latest of which obviously is um, is Rich Energy slash Lightning Vault. Yes, because um, Rich Energy is no longer called Rich Energy, is it? Correct. It's changed. It's had a name change. And in in every single situation, the the timeline's the same, which is um, he becomes a person with significant control. He is then appointed a director. Then the registered office changes. That's not really significant. Then there's a change of name. Um, In the oldest of those, um, that company has now gone into liquidation. Um, so he has eight directorships. Um, all involve him being with significant control, um, and more than that, uh, about him at the moment. Um, story also has a slightly checkered past in um, business ownership. Uh, he has been a director of. Let me just check this. Two, three. Uh, five companies, um, one of which was one 
two of which was strike-offs, basically um, come determine you haven't filed any work. They call that. They they say we're going to strike you off unless you file something soon. So uh, that's happened in two cases. As I say, one winding up. The other two companies were a company called Wise Guy Boxing and uh, Rich Energy Racing. Both were listed for compulsory strike-off, but that action was discontinued, presumably because they filed some accounts. Um, and obviously he's resigned from what was Rich Energy and is now is now Lightning Vault. Uh, just looking at Rich Energy's books as well. Um, in 2017... Uh, by the way, I should say, sorry to in in yeah. interject here. Sorry, I had to run outside to close the sunroof because it's raining so heavily here. Um, what we have to say is that this is all publicly available yes, information. Yes, yes. Eh? If you yes. haven't hacked anybody's computer or anything. No, 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 indeed. No, well, this not is as all part companies, of this investigation, this at least. Uh, <laughs> not the bit I'm talking about. Um, the, um, so the, by the way, they absolutely don't have 34 million to spend on sponsorship. Um, most of their company value is listed in intangible assets. And as you all know, dear listener, that doesn't mean buildings or machinery or anything else. That means things like brands and licenses and patents and trademarks. Um, they were also listed as having three employees oh, right. in 2017, uh, which is the last set of books that I can find. Uh, they had costs of 1.7 million and debtors of 993,000. Um, so I'm not quite sure where they thought we could find 34 million from. Um, that um, the, I mean, the interesting thing from my point of view is 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 this transfer of shares. He says he sold them. Um, I haven't been able to find out for what price they were sold, or whether indeed they were sold or just transferred. They are now in the name of um, Matthew Bruce Kell. Um, we haven't got to the bottom of uh, the strange bit of filing that happened where the company address was changed to something that started out saying the BDG group at an address in um, Notting Hill uh, because that was then removed. BDG group, the BDG group, um, there was a BDG group from Manchester that was financial services related, which was um, wound up some time ago. Yep. What we haven't been able to find out um, is whether that's the same people. But we don't know whether they're actually involved in this process but, either. But you tried to talk to the BDG group, didn't you? Yes, I did. I rang the number on the website and um, the, I gently explained that I couldn't find their company registration details on at company's house. And indeed, they are not on the bottom of their website, which they should be. Um, at which point he hung up on me. The person I spoke to hung up on me. But like I said, we haven't established any link between Matthew Bruce Kell Rich Energy, Lightning Vault, William Story and BDG. That could just as easily have been an odd coincidental administrative error, um, but only time will tell. The BDG group, though, we should say, are specialists in insolvency. And they say they are specialists in insolvency. They, they say they are the uh, country's leading <laughs> exponents of getting you out of insolvency and transferring your assets elsewhere. Correct. Um, and well, they have... Done that. <laughs> well, if they're if they're involved in this, and that we don't that, know, as Eve says, we, we we don't know. But it would seem too much of a coincidence. No, well, I don't believe in coincidences, as you know. However, that doesn't mean that someone didn't just make a mess. Yeah, okay. and isn't the transfer Sorry, of someone assets? Someone clearly has made a mess. 
Eve, isn't the transfer of assets out of a company that's close to insolvency illegal? Uh, yes, but uh, that's not really what they're talking... I mean, what... what uh, it, it, let's say for the sake of argument, BDG Group are involved. It, it, what they basically try and do is, is they say they will sit down and work out a deal with, with creditors, etc., etc., um, and take that, that take that worry off your hands. However, as unlicensed practitioners, it's my understanding that they don't then have a legal obligation to the creditors. No. Um, so uh, it, that raises another question mark. Um, it, it, uh, it's too early to say, really. As I say, we don't know that BDG are involved. And uh, Eve, can I ask a question? Yes. Sorry, because I know there's a bit of a delay on no, the no. line here. Um, do... If you transfer the assets, though, as as we 